Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Welcome to episode 185 of the Six Figure Product Business Podcast. I am really excited about today's episode because we have a very special guest on today's episode. We have Lindsay Forge, who is the owner and creator of Weathered Wood Home, which is a brick and mortar boutique and a wood wick candle line. She is someone who I have known now for, I think, about three years. She, I've seen her you know, go through all these different businesses. She's so inspiring and so sweet. And I just like love her to death. She also was just one of my amazing people inside of my cultish product program. She went through the first round of the program and just seeing her show up to every single call, put in the work, put in the effort, make shit happen in her business. I'm just so proud of her and just really, really Really happy to see her uh, get on the podcast. So let's dive into it. So on this episode, we're kind of talking about a few different things, but mainly just the encouragement to find your own version of what success looks like in your business. There's not just one universal way to measure success in your business. Some people measure it by how much money they're making. Some people measure it by how much profit, how much they're paying themselves. But there's a lot more ways to measure the success of your business than just those things. And this is something that I've personally gone through a really huge transition in my own business this past year. And I talk about that a little bit. um, And I share at the end. So please stick with me. But I am rambling a little bit at the end where I'm sharing (laughs) um, what inspired me to book an expensive ass trip to go to Alaska to hang out with grizzly bears by myself. I mean, I am going with a group of strangers, but I'm not going with like a friend or anything. And there's a reason I booked that trip. There's a reason I put down the deposit. There's a reason I just had faith that, you know what, I'm going to put down the deposit and I'm going to figure out how the hell I can pay for this expensive ass trip. And I did it for a specific reason. And I'm sharing that reason at the end of the episode as well. But this is an awesome episode where we dive into Lindsay's journey of starting multiple businesses. You know, when she realized it was time to scale one of the businesses, what led her to pivot in her business when it was really experiencing great growth, and just some general amazing tips that any founder listening here, any maker, any e-commerce business owner can take and apply to their own business. And she's just amazing. She's a wife, mom to four. She lives in a town in Kansas that looks very beautiful, by the way. And she's super passionate about being creative and lifting up other women 
entrepreneurs. And she's just amazing. She is one of those just special people that when you, you know, listen to her, you see her story, you watch her videos, you're just like, oh, I just want to know you more. And I want to like buy all your beautiful products. And she also has a discount code for anyone listening who wants to buy one of her beautiful candles, which she shares at the end of the episode. But you can also grab that um, in the show notes below. All right, my friends, let's dive into it. Grab a coffee, grab something else, and let's dive into this episode. Well, hello, Lindsay. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here with me. Yeah, I'm so excited. So we were chatting before we started recording, and I've known known you now. I think it's been like three three years or so. Um, so I was, you know, telling you this is this is like a long time coming to record with you. And I'm just so grateful and appreciative uh, to, to have you on the podcast. So yay. Um, before we dive into it, just tell everyone a little bit about you and you know who you are, your business, um, really anything you want to share. And then we can dive into the good stuff, the other yeah. good stuff. <laughs> well, um, my name is Lindsay and I'm the owner of Weatheredwood Home. Um, I started my business in 2017, but since then it has gone through um, a lot of changes and it's evolved where now we have a lifestyle brick and mortar boutique, two Airbnbs, and we are a candle brand that makes clean burning wood wick candles um, that specializes in unique fragrance combinations and inspired by nature. I love that so much. Um, And I was, uh, you know, telling you beforehand how much I love, um, in particular, one of your candles, the lemon and lilac. It is like the best smelling thing absolutely ever. Um, (laughs) For anyone here who likes candles, you definitely need to order a candle from her because her candles are just incredible. We'll talk about her brand in a little bit, but I just want to start off by saying how much I am like obsessed and I'm not a huge Like I'm not a huge candle person. I like candles. I buy them mainly for gifts for other people. And I do buy candles for my house, but mainly I've only ever bought like Christmassy, like balsam fir. Like I love that kind of scent, but I think your lemon candle has converted me. Like I think I'm now a candle person. So I love that. That, um, that particular scent has been our bestseller. It's a definitely it's so a favorite. It's so good. It's it so, 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 so good. <laughs> oh, okay. So you mentioned you have your candle business. You have your brick and mortar shop. What, what, but, and I know you, cause I've known you now for a few years. What did you do before that? Cause I know you also have like a million other businesses that you're just like glossing over. So let's hear like <laughs> the early days of your entrepreneur jury, uh, journey. Like what did that look like? What kind of business did you start off with? Yeah, um, it started off really by accident because um, I loved woodworking and building furniture in my garage. And we were um, new, we had newly moved into our home, and I was building furniture for our house. And I just, I loved doing that so much. But when I ran out of things to build for myself, I started building things for friends and family. Um, And just thought, I really like doing this. I would like to um, do this more than just a hobby. But I knew that building large pieces like furniture was only going to go so far because I didn't want to have to figure out how to ship something that big. And Mm -hmm. being from a small town, um, 
I just knew that it was going to be a little bit harder to get people to come and pick up their pieces. So I thought if I could do a product that is smaller in size that I love to build, that could be shipped all around the United States, that that's something I could do. Mm-hmm. So I started building reclaimed wood frames. Um, we started off by just tearing off barn wood off of some old barns that were fallen down on our land. And then I started going, uh, picking or junking as we call it <laughs> and junking. <signing> up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where you just, you will go and sometimes literally dig through people's trash and you'll find old pieces of wood, um, reclaim wood from old houses, uh, old barns. And I would use those to build my frames. And I started an online shop selling them that way. And so that was really how my business got its start. And um, I did that for a few years. Okay. And then, so then you went from that business and I know now you have your brick and mortar shop and you have recently started your candle business. So these are like a lot of I feel like I resonate and connect with you so much because I feel like my journey hasn't been the same as yours, but like in similar ways, like you have, you start off with one thing and then you're like, okay, cool. This is cool for a few years, but now I want to do this like different thing. And it's, it's very different. And, but like the same at the same time, like, I feel like once you start your first business, at least for me, how I feel is you have that like pull and you're like, okay what else can I do? Like, I want to do another business. I want to do a different business. And you really learn, you take things that you've learned from the first business and you're like piggybacking off of that. So I was like having a conversation with one of my um, good business friends yesterday who she has a subscription box business. And I was actually her coach a couple of years ago. That's how I know her. She found me in a Facebook group and you know, whatever, like I don't need to tell that whole backstory, but she has since started like a million businesses. She's crazier than I am and you. And <laughs> she was like telling me about her newest business and how it's doing so well and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, how is your, how is your subscription box business doing? I haven't heard any, like, I haven't seen you post about it. I haven't heard anything. And she was basically like, I think she used the fr- the phrase, it's dead, but alive. Like she was like, I have some subscribers. I don't care about it anymore. I'm just, it, someone else is fulfilling the orders for her. So she's like literally not doing anything with the business. It's still making a little bit of money. And mm-hmm. I was like, why, like, why don't you sell the business and just move on? Like, it sounds like you're just ready to move on from it. Like, you know, you just told me that you don't care about the business at all anymore. She's like, I know, I know. Um, and I don't even know why I'm bringing this story up. I think like, oh, okay. Cause I said to her, you know, take what you learned from the first business. Like, cause I sold my first business and I think we get very afraid. Like, oh my God, it's our first business. It's our little baby. We've poured our heart and soul into it. And I think there's nothing like the first one. I think that that could be like your most special one because that's where you probably did the most, the most growth and learning. Um, but I was like, you know, look at this as an opportunity. Like you, you started this business, you learn so much, you take what you learn from that business and you apply it to the next one. So it's like you're piggybacking that everything off of that first business. So who cares if you're going to sell it? Who cares if you have to close it? Like that doesn't reflect anything negative on you. It's like you're taking the good learning parts from that and you're applying it to your next business, you know? So I feel like the reason I brought that up is because I feel like 
Um, so many of us who start a business and we're like, uh, I'm not feeling it anymore. And I want to talk to you about like pivoting and all that. Cause I know that obviously you have pivoted a lot in your business, but I think from, I think we can have a lot of fear around change and pivoting and like, oh my God, I started this wood, you know, reclaimed wood business. Like, but maybe I'm not feeling it anymore or like I'm burnt out or I just want to do something different. And I think a lot of us have fear around change and like, you know, what can I do? Will people buy? How I put so much work into this first business? Like, what should I do? So anyway, that story was just about that because I think so many other people listening have felt the same way of, I have a business, I've been doing it for a couple of years now, but like, it's not lighting me up anymore. What do I do? Um, So I'd love to hear that from you because obviously you had the first business and then you started your brick and mortar and then you now you moved into candles. So maybe talk through what made you pivot like multiple times. How are you feeling? Were you feeling overwhelmed? Were you feeling burnt out? Were you like, walk us through how you're feeling? Yeah. Oh, I think what you were just talking about, the fear of change is so mm-hmm. real, especially yeah. when you're a multi-passionate person, but you've put yourself in a certain niche. Um and you feel like you need to remain in that box, but you are a multi-passionate person. You do have other goals that maybe you had even before you started that business. Like I said, it was in a way an accidental business because I was just doing, I was just making those frames because I love woodworking. And I was scared to make that change away from making the frames because I didn't want anybody to think that I didn't love woodworking anymore. I still absolutely love it. Like I mm-hmm. I, it was just a lifestyle change, you know, when you have kids and they are growing up and they're getting busier and, um, just life changes and it's okay to make those changes, um, along with it, but it's really, it's hard to do just because, especially when it's something so different, like when you're going from Mm -hmm. building frames online to opening up a brick and mortar to now making candles, it just sounds so random. (laughs) But (laughs) to me, I just feel like, no, this all makes sense to Mm -hmm. me because it's what I'm interested in at this point in time. And so um, I'm trying to learn to let myself evolve and grow. And those Mm -hmm. that want to follow along can. And if it's, you know, if somebody was initially engaged with my business because of the frames only, and I'm not doing that anymore, then that's totally fine. But you just have to do what's best for you and follow your interest. And it can be hard when you have a lot of interest, Mm -hmm. but um, I think the evolution. So the candles are what I'm doing now. I still have my mm-hmm. brick and mortar, but the brick and mortar came after making the frames and starting online. Um, but that was actually a goal that I had had when I started making the furniture for friends and family. I did a booth at a like a market days type of event. And I remember I loved setting up my booth space. I set it up like a little store, you know, and it was, it was just so much fun to have people come into my booth. And I felt like I had a little store and I just thought this is great. And um, we have a really charming downtown area in my town with a lot of old buildings with a lot of character. And I just always thought it would be really neat to remodel one of those buildings and have a little brick and mortar boutique 
And I just envisioned myself getting dressed up for the day and going into my store and turning the <laughs> sign to open and, you know, <laughs> I love it. All those things. Um, and so I thought that would be a goal down the road, but in order to be able to have a business that would be able to go for the long run, I would have to have an online presence in a way because we can only have so many people come through the door in my small town. So I live in a town with 2000 people and we do get busier in the summertime, but for the most part, there's just not a lot of foot traffic. And so you do need to have um, an online presence or an online way of selling your products in order to make a go at that. So I'll set this goal for later and um, make the frames online for now. And um, when the pandemic hit, uh, our downtown was already kind of suffering a little bit. There were a lot of buildings that were closed and for sale. And I, I don't know, I just wanted to see our downtown thriving again. And I was to the point where I needed to reinvest in my business by having my own workshop. So I thought either I build a workshop on my home property, or I can go ahead and take this leap and buy one of these buildings and invest in our community and do the brick and mortar. And so we went that direction because I thought everything else is shut down right now. This is kind of a good time to put my frame business on pause because it wouldn't be so unusual with a lot of businesses pivoting at that time. And so that was a good opportunity to take that leap. And so we went that direction. Um, but it was just a lot more extensive and time time consuming than I ever anticipated. So we wrapped um, that project up and it was a little bit harder to jump back into making my frames. I think after going through all that, I built pretty much all of the display pieces and furniture for that building and in a short period of time. And it did honestly like turn me out a little bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then um, not anticipating how busy it would be once everything did open back up. We were actually extremely busy that first year and it was like drinking from a fire hose. So it was um, me trying to balance the old business with the new business. And I finally just had to give myself the grace to say something's got to be put on pause for now. And so I no longer make the frames, but I have the brick and mortar, I have the Airbnb. And um, I just solely did that for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then I missed the maker side of things. Like when I was making my frames, mm-hmm. I I loved creating something from nothing so much. And I think after stepping away from that for a while, I was really ready to dive back into being a creative and being a maker. I just knew that I needed a different type of product because um, I wasn't going to be able to physically make those frames anymore with how my life had changed. I love that so much. And I I have to have you just give a little bit of context because you casually threw in, oh, in an Airbnb. 
Can you just talk about like, what do you mean when you say you have an Airbnb? Yeah. I know um, the story, but I want everyone else to hear it. Cause these are all these really cool little threads that you're, that you're building off of. It's not just one business. It's like, you're creating all these multiple streams of income. So that's what I hear when I hear you talking about these different things. Cause also with your candles, now you're able to have this new brand online, but also sell them in your shop. So I just feel like there's so much cool little nuggets here, but yeah, tell everyone what you mean when you say Airbnb. Yeah. Um, so the brick and mortar, uh, boutique of ours is downstairs. And then we have an upstairs to this old building that we bought and, Nothing had been in that building upstairs, I think, since the 1920s. It was just a shell and um, a blank slate, really. And I feel like there's a lot of old buildings and small towns that could do the same thing that we did. But I thought, while while we are remodeling the downstairs, let's go ahead and remodel the upstairs and just maximize our space. I mean, why not... (laughs) pull the bandaid off and do it all in one shot rather than set up the brick and mortar downstairs and then have to do construction above us later on. Mm -hmm. I just literally wanted the dust to settle all at the same time. (laughs) So upstairs and we um, have two loft apartments that we put on Airbnb and it's done really well. It's just, it's fun to have people come and visit I've mm-hmm. always wanted to have a guest room in my house and host people. And I'm, this is my way of doing that. So that's so awesome. I know I'll have to come sometime. I've never, I've never been to Kansas and just seeing all your beautiful, your amazing pictures of your house and like this beautiful outdoor space and the green hills. I'm like, I didn't know Kansas was so pretty, but I'm, I'm down to visit. So I'll have to yes. come and stay, stay at your Airbnb. It's, it's so beautiful in this area that I live, but not a lot of people know about it because Mm -hmm. um, it is such a small part of Kansas. I, I live in the Flint Hills and it literally looks like Ireland in the spring and summer. Everything is so green and there's rolling Hills. It's, we have the most beautiful sunsets and I think just, it's a hidden treasure that people figure out. (laughs) Sounds amazing. I love it. Okay, cool. So I love the Airbnb thing because I think that, again, um, I know we're talking about sort of like pivoting in your business and, you know, figuring out what success looks like in your business. But I also just want to point out that, you know, you've done all these really cool things and, you know, buying a building in a town, renovating it, that's not, that's not an easy project by any means. Um, but you're also setting yourself up for multiple streams of income by adding the Airbnbs and the two, I think you said two Airbnb or two lofts that you have in there. So, um, I think that's amazing. And with a brick and mortar, like you can now sell your own product, which is another thing. And you can do other cool things. Like you could host workshops and there's just like so much opportunity. And I think for someone who is super creative like you and multi-passionate, you're like the definition of multi-passionate just having a space that's yours that you can do all these really cool things um, is just amazing. So I love that so much. So let's kind of go back a little bit because I feel like you grew the frame business. And to my knowledge, you grew that quite, that was a successful business. Like you had a lot of loyal customers who would always buy your frames. It was doing really well. What like what happened during that time? Did you feel like 
the success wasn't really what you had envisioned? Or was there something that wasn't fulfilling you that made you kind of want to roll that back and just start something different? I would kind of love to hear about that because I know a lot of people, you grow your business, you you get to that six-figure mark or whatever milestone you're looking for. And then you're like, oh, well, I don't actually like my business. I mean, I went through the same thing with my current business last year, you know, just was not liking my business. I wasn't liking what I was doing. I was getting really wrapped up in a lot of things that just, I don't know, like the hustle. I mean, I'm a hustler. I know you are too, but at some point, like we don't need to live by the hustle culture, but yeah, like talk a little bit about what, how you're feeling. Cause I know a lot of people listening in particular have gone through transitional things. And I think it's always really important to remind people that it's normal to feel like you want to pull back or you want to change or you want, like you don't like your business anymore and it's like, okay to change that. So if you want to share anything about that, I think that would be great. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I got to the point where the demand was exceeding the supply. Like I could only make so mm-hmm. many and it was a little bit hard just to, um, Well, okay. Let me explain how I sold my frames. I would call them restocks. And so I would list all of the frames that I would make for the month on my website. And I would email my list and put it out there on social media that my restock is going to be this day, this time. It's, you know, get them before they're gone. And with making these frames from such a limited material, they knew and being a handmade product, they knew that there were only so many that were going to be offered. Well, as my um, social media and email list grew, I definitely had more people than, than I had frames wanting to buy. And so it would be a little bit hard to list them all. And then, you know, I'm getting on Shopify and you can see where everybody's hopping on the website. And there was, um, you know, at one point over a thousand people on the website, right when I listed my restock and I only had about 60 frames. So I knew that they would sell out and inevitably I would wait for the angry emails to come in about, I didn't get a frame, you know, I just, I felt so bad because I wanted everyone to be able to get one, but there was only so many that I could make. And um, so I think for, for that reason, and the fact that I was making them almost like a machine, (laughs) Because I was trying to make more in order to uh, offer more to people. And so I definitely got my systems down really efficiently. Mm-hmm. But that also made it to where I felt more like a factory <laughs> instead of um, making something creatively. And so what I love about the candles is I I could scale that business. I could um, have people come in and help me. I could grow that if I needed to, if it ever got to the point where it was like with my frames, whereas with the frames, you know, I kind of hit a ceiling and could only do so much. So you feel like with the candles, you see more of an opportunity of scale. Like I can take what I learned from the first few businesses and I can really make the candle business not only work, but, you know, work very well and not have some sort of like, okay, I can only sell 60 candles this month. So, okay. Yeah, exactly. And I can still be creative in that the scent possibilities are endless. You know, I just feel Mm -hmm. like 
I can still have that creative side um, that is going to be really fulfilling to me, but I could also have this, the business side that can be scalable and, um, and sustainable too. I mean, I could have somebody help me out making candles, whereas with the frames, I couldn't really have anybody help me out. That would have required more power tools and <laughs> liabilities that I didn't want to go down that road. Oh my God. Yes. That sounds sounds very smart. No, that makes total sense. And I think, you know, it's really important, I think, especially for people starting off when you have ideas for a product-based business, you know, and this is something I really learned, like just from my first business, my first business, I would say scalable, but like only to a point because I was doing so much personalization for people in the um, subscription box that I had. And, you know, now seven years later after starting my first business, you know, if I was ever going to do a product-based business, I, there's so many things that would be removed from the list immediately. If this is not a scalable business, if the profits profit opportunity is not high enough, if the outsourcing opportunity, like, am I the only person in the whole world who can make this? If the answer is yes, then that business is not like a no-go for me. But I think you don't know that unless you go through it the first time and then you figure out, okay, there's a cap at this. There's only so much I can do. There's only only so much of me I can give. And like that business that you had sounds very labor intensive, like you leaning over power tools and like that's physical labor that, you know, at some point that's, that could cause like you might get an injury or something. So I love that you kind of, you know, took a break from making things start of the brick and mortar and you're like, all right, I'm ready to be creative and make my own stuff again. And, and I want to talk about like what lights you up because I think, I think I already know what it is, but I just want to kind of hear from you, like what lights you up when it comes to these businesses. But now you're able to say, okay, this business is more scalable. I can make more money and do something that I love. So I think that's, I think that's amazing and really, really smart. But yeah, I love to hear from you. What because you've had a lot of different businesses now. What do you think the one thing that just kind of like makes you the most excited out of everything? Out of all your businesses, like what's like the one part of it or piece that you love the most? Yeah, I love putting my own twist on things or making something um, in my own unique way. So you mentioned um, the the different businesses that I've had and another business that I had within my brick and mortar really was, and this is how we got to meet each other was um, a subscription box that I wanted to start because shortly after um, opening up my brick and mortar, I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I tie in my physical boutique with my online store? I knew that I couldn't make the frames, but I still had this online audience and I needed to offer something to them. And I didn't really want to list um, the individual items in my store. It was just seemed like kind of a lot of work, frankly. And um, I would even, I would either have had to had, have two different inventories or um, I don't know. It just, it was just too complicated for me. I wanted to keep things simple. So I thought I could take what I have in my store and put it in like a gift box type of subscription box and offer that quarterly. And um, I thought that would be a good way to tie the two together. 
But one reason that I think that that did not last for me, and it was great. I mean, it went over really well. But for me, I didn't really feel fulfilled in that because I wasn't making like my own thing for the box. I was just putting in products from my store into this box. And I realized like, I'm just that type of person that I don't know if it's the control freak in me, that I just like putting something that I make. I like putting it out there. I think it's because I know that um, the perfectionist side of me is going to make sure that it is high quality and it's unique, something that they can't find anywhere else and that somebody else can't offer. So um, I kind of, I think that's kind of what led to thinking about making the candles and going down that path again. Because I thought, I just, I want to put my own spin on something. I love that. And I think so many people want to actually make a product, you know, like there is something special about it's your thing. It's your product. Like it comes from a cool place of love in some point. Um, so I think that's super awesome. And I, f- I feel like I knew you were going to say that when I asked you, like, what's like the one thing that you just love more than anything else? My, like my thing would be marketing. So I personally like have no interest in physically making a product, I would love to manufacture, like I, I manufacture dog bandanas. So I did make them. I didn't personally or physically make them myself. Um, they were manufactured, but for me, like my favorite thing is the marketing, like taking a vision or an idea, bringing it to life. And then like all the things that go to it, like figuring out the colors and the branding and the fonts and like figuring out how to make people fall in love with it when they see it on social media or like when they're scrolling through a blog, what's going to make that product stand out? Like that's my just like love language kind of thing. Um, So I always think it's interesting that I need to ask people that question more because I think everyone has different responses because some people absolutely despise marketing and I just like, I couldn't love it anymore, but I actually don't, I would never want to make a physical product because I know I would just get bored with it. I would get um, burnt out. And I don't know, I, I already know like that wouldn't be my thing. So I think it's awesome that everyone just has like their own little things that they like, but that's why makers are like so many people I meet, they're like, I'm a maker. I don't want to, I don't want to sell the product. I'm doing it because I love making, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we're like, all right, well that's, that's great. But we also need to like, if we're not marketing, then people aren't going to know about your product. So we gotta, we gotta kind of do both, but I, I love it so much. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I think my weakness is, and I love branding and I I do love marketing, but I, I tend to lean so much on the making side of things that I'll make it. And then I forget, I'm like, oh wait, I haven't really told people about this. (laughs) I really like, they won't know about it unless I tell them, but I just, I like making it so much. I think that's, that is so normal. Um, I can't even tell you how many people that I've had in my programs that have said those exact words. Like I love making it. I'm thinking of one person in particular who she makes like soaps and lip balms and things like that. Um, she's coming to mind right now, but like everyone, it's the same thing. It's like, we, we love making the product. We love the, the craft behind it, but we don't, we don't, like we, oh, we're not good at selling. And I I, I think yeah. that's not like, I think you're awesome at marketing. So I feel like you are 
discrediting yourself, but I know what you mean about like the maker and the marketing. I feel like you love to make it, but then you're like, I don't really feel like I want to sell it. You know, someone else can sell it for me. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, I definitely, I get in my mind about it anyways. I struggle with it because I, I don't know, I guess it's the shy introvert part of me (laughs) that just wants to make it and say, you know, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> I can believe it. But really, I, I know in how much time I put into it that it is a really good product mm-hmm. that I I feel like people would really enjoy, just like I've enjoyed other people's products so much. And I, you know, wouldn't know if they had new launches or whatever unless they told me. Exactly. But it's I need to take my own advice there. Well, I always tell people, you know, don't be afraid. And I and I think of my own business like this. Like I'm not afraid to sell my, my programs, my courses, anything, because I know that I'm helping people with their business. I'm helping people solve like a pain point for them, whether it's getting more visibility or starting a customer loyalty program or, you know, whatever it is, like I can help you. And if I can't help you, then I don't offer that service. Or I tell you, I can't help you, but I have like no shame. I, I'm not aggressive, but I will promote my services all the time. And I have no shame in saying that because I know I'm helping someone. And it's the same for a product. Like your product is is helping someone. It's solving a pain point for someone. It's making, you know, like for you, like you create these awesome products that can be given for housewarming gifts to make someone's house smell amazing and bring back all these, like we've talked about this before, bring back all these amazing memories from like, you know, childhood, the lemon and lilac, like so many cool things can come from a candle. It's not just about the product. It's like how the product makes someone feel. It's how it um, helps transform them in some way. So I think when you think of that in that way, like, of course you should sell your product, you know? Um, And for your product too, it is awesome because your products, you know, you're going like the non-toxic route. We've had a million conversations um, inside the Cultish product program, of course, but like your candles are not filled with junk that harms people. They're natural and all that kind of stuff. So your candles are not like you're helping people learn and be educated on how horrible so many candles are for for you in their house. And, you know, people are buying candles from, you know, Amazon or home goods or whatever, Yankee candle and lighting them up and spreading toxins in their house. And they have no idea, like they're unaware, blissfully unaware um, that these candles are actually poisoning them essentially. Maybe that, that might be an exaggeration. I don't know. You tell me, but it's true. You're putting all this shit in the air and your kids are breathing in, your pets are breathing in, you're breathing it in. Um, and that's not good for you. So I would think of your candles as, you know, I'm actually helping educate people on the dangers of shitty candles. Yeah. You can definitely buy a candle in the dollar section of Target, but it's absolutely (sighs) not. Oh my God. It will maybe last you um, a couple hours because it's going to burn really fast. And usually those fragrance oils are full of a lot of junk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's what gives people a headache and maybe even turns them off to candles in general because they they say that it bothers them or gives them a headache. And there's such a difference. I think when I started um, burning clean burning soy candles in my house and realizing how long they lasted. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a convert for life just because 
it's just kind of like quality makeup too. You know, when you first see the price tag, you're like, oh my gosh, but then yeah. it lasts you forever. And you realize that you're actually better off buying that quality product because it lasts longer in the long run. I agree with you. And like skincare stuff. I'm like a yes. huge psycho with expensive skincare products because I really only buy for the most part, like all natural stuff from small brands, but it makes a huge difference if you go yeah. to like your, I don't know what drugstore you have, like a CVS or Target and you buy some shitty like $5 moisturizer or you buy the $30 bottle from this small brand who is putting together this all natural you know, facial oil with really plant-based things, you'll notice a massive difference in your skin. So I think it's the same thing with candles. And I remember going to, I think it was like Yankee candle shop with my mom when I was, I don't even know how old, younger or maybe a teenager. I don't know. And like, I remember walking into that damn store and it was like, (laughs) it's like, it like hits you in the face with so much scent. And I have a very strong scent. I don't know if I told you before. I have like a super creepy, strong sense of smell. It's like my superpower sense that like is kind of useless. Like who needs, we don't really need a better sense of smell. Like what good is that? But I have one. Um, It's, it's like on overload. I can smell everything. Like Anyway, um, but I remember going in that store and it was just like the overpowering smell of like, oh, it makes me want to throw yeah. up now. It's just like so gross of candle, yeah. candle smell. And like those candles are just, even if you pick up an individual like Yankee candle, the smell is so strong and like not in a good way. Yes. It's like, no, it, it overpowers in the face. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You don't want your candle to overpower the room and punch you in the face. You want it to <laughs> elevate yeah. the room and yeah. create a nice ambiance. Yes. Like your candle. Like I was telling you, um, I forget if I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but I got um, one of Lindsay's candles and I it smells so good. It's a lemon and lilac. This is my personal favorite uh, I'm sure I'll love your other ones too. I know I I, I bought another one. For, actually, sorry, I bought one from you and you sent me that one as a like bonus. So thank you. But it is the smell is so I can't even explain. It's so good, lemon and lilac. So if you like candles and you love like summery spring scents, please buy yourself one. You will not regret it. It's like the best smelling ever. But I lit it a couple of times and then I'll bring it around and like I'll put it in my office if I'm working or I'll put it next to my bed when I'm sleeping. And it like it gives the room like this super nice smell, but not like, whoa, what is that lemon? What is that Lysol scent or something? Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like the perfect level of of scent. So yeah, and I really like um, scents that are unique and interesting um, and really complex. Like you were mentioning Yankee Candles, for example. I feel like their scents and a lot of other big box store candles are just really flat. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. They're just too basic. There's not enough going on, and these. Yeah at least the, the direction that I want to go in my candles is uh, just making it more interesting and unique to where someone would walk in your home and be like, what is that? I really can't pinpoint it. You know, like the lemon and lilac, yeah. it's not just a lemon. It's not just a lilac. It's an interesting so combination. And so, yeah. yeah. I love that. What, um, what kind of like, what do you envision for this business in the future? Are you wanting to do, um, 
do you want to get into like a lot of stores? Like what's your vision for the candle business? I feel like it's still new. It's still like, not like a blank slate, but kind of, cause you can kind of do whatever on earth you want with it. So let's hear what your vision is. So, um, I remember when I started with my frames, I thought it would be so cool to have my frames in houses all across the United States. And that was really just a neat thing to me. Mm-hmm. Now that I have my brick and mortar and I'm making these candles, I kind of feel like that way again in that how cool would it be to have my candles in other boutiques like mine all across mm-hmm. the United States? And so I, I think that. I would really love to focus on wholesale. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'll always have the retail side of things because um I mean, you have to have both <laughs> yeah, At least a, a bit, but I really love the idea of connecting with other business owners like myself, because I think I can relate to them by having my own brick and mortar. I understand what it's like to buy products from my store. And I know that I'm, I'm not going to be reaching out to any stores that wouldn't be a good, that my candles wouldn't be a good fit for them. Cause I, I just know what it's like to be on that side of things. And so um, I would really love to go down that route. I also think um, I've always been a maker that likes to work in batches Mm -hmm. and wholesale is great for that because you're going to be doing large orders and batches. And so I think that just kind of fits my style of how I like making a lot. I love that. And for the boutiques, are you looking at like a specific type of boutique or just in general, like kind of like, kind of like shops like yours, I think like beautifully aesthetic vibe, kind of that kind of stuff. Or are you looking just to get in just like, what's the word volume? No, I'm blanking on the word I'm thinking of, but like high volume, lower quality, quantity versus quality. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh my gosh. What is wrong with me? I'm not... (laughs) I've not had enough coffee today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I would put my candles anywhere and everywhere, but if I'm going to be reaching out to other stores, I think they would be similar to mine and, um, and that they focus on quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Um, they appreciate, uh, just more unique products, handmade products. I know in my store, I really like to focus on handmade products from small businesses. And I think Mm -hmm. I'd rather deal um, and work with business owners similar to that, that have those same shared values. I just think that would be the best fit in that way. And I, so I think that's the route I'd like to go. I love that. What about, um, are you going to go on any of like the marketplaces like fair and, you know, all those kind of things doing trade shows? Yeah. Um, well, I'm actually, I'm already on fair, but I am on there not for my candles yet. I'm still, um, needing to upload that. (laughs) I got on fair really early on with my prints that I offered alongside my frames. Okay. And (laughs) back when we were talking about your friend that kind of had a business that she just kind of ignored and was like, eh, it's mm. still there, but I don't do anything with it. Yeah. That was kind of like <laughs> my fair. <laughs> so now I'm ready to pay attention to that since I have a product that I'm really passionate about. Um, 
And as far as trade shows, I definitely, I don't think that I'm going to be going to like retail markets just because I feel like my time could be better spent uh, pitching or connecting with other boutiques like mine for wholesale. But I would be interested in going to like a bigger market like Atlanta's America's Mart or the Dallas market, um, maybe in a couple years. Yeah. After after I get more experience under my belt. I love that. That's awesome. Um, Okay. One more question. Mm -hmm. What, since you've started a million businesses, what, I was going to ask you one question, but I'm like, I kind of want to ask you this other one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What do you think the biggest mistake that you've made is? Ooh. That's a good question. Kind of a tricky question because I feel like we've all made a million mistakes. I mean, I can tell you like 500 that I've made, but. Oh, yeah. yeah like That's what the hard think? part is picking one. Like, which mistake did I make? Yeah. Just like anything that, I don't know. I feel like sometimes if we ask people, oh, what is like your biggest lesson that you've learned? And everyone always says the same shit, but like, let's hear about like, what's the biggest struggle or like, what's the, what's the big mistake that you've made? Yeah, I, I know the answer to that. I think when I was pivoting in my business and I was changing things up, I did not bring my audience along with me on the journey mm-hmm. while I was um, feeling that way. I, that's something that I still struggle with. So I could say this is a mistake that's ongoing for me <laughs> is I'm the type of person that I like to figure it out uh, on my own in private And then I'm just like, I'll appear out of nowhere and be like, I have it all figured out. Like, boom, I'm launching this new thing. And no one really sees the back end of my mind working through it. And I don't, I think that's just because I'm naturally a private person. And I, I just feel like, oh, you know, why would they care? I'll just, you know, uh, figure it out myself and then reappear when I have um, my, my stuff together, you know? (laughs) And so I feel like I, I wish I would do a better job with that because maybe people, um, could relate to that and maybe they share that same struggle. And then maybe it would, it would make more sense to people when all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I'm making candles now. And they wouldn't be like, what the heck? (laughs) Cause they would understand if they had gone on the journey with me of, why or what led me to that point. But instead I just kind of hold those things into myself. And, mm-hmm. um, I, when I'm ready to put it out there, I'm just like, Oh, here it is. I did the same thing with the subscription box. I did the same thing with the brick and mortar. <laughs> I, with all of them, really, I mean, I just never really, uh, let people in on that journey. So it probably yeah. came surprising. <laughs> That's a really, that's an awesome, I love that you answered that because it's a totally different response than I think, I don't usually ask this question actually, but I really need to start asking because I think we all hear the same, like, what's your biggest tip? But sometimes you want to hear like, what's the biggest mistake you've made? Because I think people have very different responses. And I think your response is, is really great in a sense that like you can still include them. And you know, I'm going to say this through email marketing, Mm -hmm. you can include so much of that story that you just shared and your like sequences. I'm not going to like pummel pummel you about email marketing today, but 
Um, you know, in your sequences, you can share those in your like weekly emails and just pull back the curtain a little bit. It doesn't mean you have to share like a lot of personal information, but, you know, sharing with people the why, like, this is why I'm changing my business. This is how I was feeling. And I, you know, this is what I was going through. That stuff is so relatable. I mean, out of everything that you could ever talk about, talking about what you're struggling with is the most relatable stuff because everyone in their business or people buying from you, it makes you look like a real human versus like, oh, I'm perfect. My business is making a million dollars a year and I only work one hour per week and, you know, all that kind of horse shit that we hear on like the YouTubers and the bro marketers with their like rented Lamborghinis. Um, (laughs) Like, that's not real, but sharing why your business has been sucking for you and like what you're going to do about it and how, you know, you want to change your life for the better. And you want like, this is what success looks to looks like to me. And it might not be making a million dollars a year. Maybe it's having more free time and you're still making candles and you're still doing what you like, but you're not letting this like business stuff kind of dictate your whole thing. But anyway, that stuff is so relatable. And it's, that's exactly the kind of stuff that I would like yell at you to be sharing people. (laughs) It's just relatable. It's relatable. And people that are reading that are like, oh yeah, she's like a real human. And like, I want to support this person. Um, And you can do it on your own terms because I know a lot of people like I'm super private too, even though I share a lot of stuff in my, like on my social media, on my business account, you know, a little bit on my podcast. I mean, I I really do share a lot. There's certain things I don't talk about. Like I don't really talk about like my son a lot. I don't share a lot of stuff about him on photos. I'm just, I'm a lot more private in that stuff. Um. But I share a lot of like my silly day-to-day stuff. Like, oh, look at the coffee I'm drinking. And like, I went paddleboarding today and like, I'm booking a bear trip and I share all that kind of stuff. Like, kind of like the fun stuff, but I'm very open with struggles and like, you know, I just did a podcast episode on my business book and I, it was definitely like a vulnerable episode for me. I definitely don't love talking about feelings um, unless they're like, I'm obsessed with this and I love it. Like, I don't really talk, I don't like to talk about um, non-happy feelings too much. I'm, I'm very like closed about stuff like that. I feel like you're probably the same way, Um, (laughs) but people like, those are the kind of things that people are like, Oh, okay. Like I can relate to her now. Cause she's talking about shit that's bothering her or stuff that's scary or stuff that isn't working well. Cause I think we're so inundated with like all these people on Instagram and social media and YouTube and Facebook being like, I can help you make a million dollars tonight. All you have to do is buy my course. And like, yes, I sell programs too, but I don't promise you a million dollars. And I definitely don't promise you it's going to be like some easy breezy thing. I'm kind of like, you have to fucking put in the work and you have to show up and you have to do stuff. Like it's not just going to happen for you. But I think we get so much, we get See, oh, sorry, we not we get seen. We get showed all these stupid people, like the bro marketers and the the coaches that are like, oh, it's if it's if you're not making a million dollars, you're a failure. Like, there's so much bad stuff that is being sent out right now by these like scammy coaches. Um, that when you're sharing, oh, my business isn't doing great, or like I'm not feeling good about my business, I think it feels scary because. That's not what a lot of people talk about. They only talk about the good stuff. They only talk about the, I made this much money, but 
How much profit did you make? How much are you paying yourself? How many hours a week are you working? You know what I mean? Like they don't share that stuff. And I think that's, that's like the meat that we need to hear. So anyway, I feel like I'm completely rambling as usual. (laughs) No, absolutely. It's, it's so much more relatable when you can see people on the other side being like a real person, just like you and having struggles. Mm -hmm. And I think from the outside in it, you know, it might look like, yeah, that person has it going on, you know? Um, but really I'm thinking my life is really boring and, you know, not that exciting and listening back to, uh, just the evolution in my business. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a lot, but to me, I just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm really, it's, not that exciting. I mean, it's really boring and or my business is not boring, but my life in general is not as perfect and exciting as maybe it, it looks like on social media. Yeah. Well, I think your life looks amazing and I'm I obs- love my life. I just should say it, you know, <laughs> I'm like obsessed with your, your outdoor space. I feel like when I saw your outdoor space, I'm like, oh my God, I need to change my whole life. Like, what am I doing? My house sucks. <laughs> I I just love being outside in that outdoor space. Mm-hmm. That was such a saving grace too during the pandemic too. And we had to mm-hmm. be kind of isolated. It was nice to be able to go out there and um, see that that part of life hadn't changed any, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, COVID. Doesn't it feel like it was like a million years ago, even though it wasn't? Oh, yeah. It was the weirdest thing. I mean, I feel like years got erased to where mm-hmm. I'm like, was that this year? No, it was two years ago. I don't even know. That time, that concept of time is weird. <laughs> I know. I feel like I blocked certain parts of it out of my memory. I'm kind of like, I sometimes forget that it ever happened, which that sounds so dumb, but. Yeah, it was, it was a challenging time. Um, it yeah, well, so this many was, changes <laughs> for yeah. a lot of um, people. So many. But I'll tell you what I and I talk about this with my friends all, all the time. Like, can we have we could call it a COVID holiday, though, where the world shuts down for two weeks again, mm-hmm. because that was really nice. I will say um, the fact that everybody kind of paused and got back to the realness in life and what means the most, yeah. you know, you had families all together at home. And I think that part of it was really nice. Um, or at least, you know, we wouldn't have to make it two weeks long, but if we could have just a little bit of that once a year and be like, okay, everybody shut down mandatory vacation for everybody. This feels like very, this feels like a normal thing for Europeans. Like this t- <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Yes. <laughs> It's so hard as like Europeans like know, don't work shut our brains off. <laughs> it really is. I, yeah. yeah, I'm, I have two vacations this summer and I'm, I actually was thinking about this yesterday. Cause as you know, I'm going on my, my bear trip to Alaska and I'm like, okay, I'm not bringing, I can only bring like a 15 pound bag. Cause it's like a camp trip. So we're staying at like, it's more like glamping. I'll say it's not like sleeping in like a tent in the dirt. It's, it's a nice it's, it's going to be nice, but like, I can't bring a lot of stuff. And I was like, I actually, cause I was looking at the itinerary yesterday and I was like, am I going to bring my laptop? And I'm like, no, no, you're <laughs> not like your team is going to have to take over or, or people just get ignored 
for a week in their emails. But um, yeah, that's going to be, I think that's going to be like my trip where I literally don't work at all. And I haven't done a lot of that over the last seven years since I started my first business. I mean, I think there's only only been like a week or two that I have not worked at all, which that sounds kind of horrible, but maybe, maybe, maybe more than a few weeks. Maybe it's, maybe it's more than a few weeks, but for the most part, like I I might not work for a few days, but then I'll work for like one day. Do you know what I mean? So it isn't like I've worked straight over the years, but I would say the last two years have been the only times where I have taken any time off, which that sounds horrible. Like, but I don't live like that anymore. So I've changed. will do you so good. It will do me good. Yeah. And I'm doing another trip in in July, which I'm not planning on working either. I think I will have my laptop with me, but it doesn't mean I'm going to like be working. I feel like, I don't know. I also am going away and I feel like if I bring my laptop, it might spark like a new project or I don't know, something. It doesn't mean it has to be work stuff, but you just never know. But my bear trip, I'm not bringing my laptop. So that will be, that will be good. That's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to hear about that trip. I, I'm like, kudos to you. I don't know if I'm going to see bears in real life like that close up. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Gosh. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little crazy, but it, it yeah. I don't know what to expect, but <laughs> not just any bears, like the biggest bears. <laughs> I mean, when these like Kodiaks. <laughs> They're so they're brown bears. They're not Kodiak ones. Oh, um, but I really want to see Kodiak. Bear. I like. I'm actually dying to go to Kodiak Island in Alaska because those are like those are the biggest. Yeah, they're like what we think of a, of a grizzly bear, like which is the brown one. But they're not actually. They're not technically grizzly bears, but they are. You know, for all intents and purposes, but. Yeah, I don't even. And I was someone asked me like, "When what? Why the hell are you doing that? Like, what the." F- what is wrong with you? And I was, someone asked me when I was on a, in Nashville last week for a trip and, and I, it took me a second to respond. Cause I was like, I don't even, I have no idea. I have, so I'm like a huge animal person. I've always loved animals. I've always liked bears. I think when I went to Alaska last year for, for a vacation, I think that's when I like fully fell in love with bears. Cause I saw, um, I saw, uh, grizzly bears somewhere. We went on some day trip somewhere and I saw a mom and three cubs get fishing, getting salmon out of the water. And I saw the mom attempt to catch fish. We sat there for like half an hour watching. It was, it was like literally just this most magical thing. I can't even explain it. And I just watched this grizzly bear like in real life, not on a movie, not in a fucking zoo, not in a cage. Catching salmon. And it was just this like magical, I don't even know. It's hard to explain it. There's this like magical pivotal moment for me. And I was like, this was, and, and then you see the little cubs and she takes the fish, she catches it, brings it out um, out of the water into this little woodsy area. And then the cubs like bup, bup, follow her. And then they would come back a few minutes later and then she would try to get more fish. It was just, it was like just the cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. And I sat there watching it just being like, the, these are just magical like beings. I don't even know. Like, and, and then I felt guilty that we're sitting here on a bus 
watching them and spoiling their natural habitat because Alaska really is like one of the only places where when you go there, you're like, this is what things used to look like before humans have ruined it and spoiled it. Like so many places don't have roads and, you know, like obviously the place we went to does have roads because we were on a fucking bus, but you still get this sense of nature. And so I think when I came back, I always knew, okay, I want to do some kind of like, because I only saw them once. And I was like, I want to go back and like see proper bears in Alaska. That's what, that's what, that's one of the things that you can do when you go there is like, you can see actual grizzly bears. Um, and then in January, I don't even know why I'm telling you so much information in January. <laughs> I love it. I wrote, I wrote out my personal goals. So I sat there in a coffee shop, writing out personal goals and business goals. And one of my personal goals I wrote for this year was to go on a bear trip to Alaska. And on my list of personal goals, it just randomly happened to be the first one I wrote out. It doesn't mean that that's like my biggest goal. It just, mm-hmm. I wrote it out. And then I was sitting here one day, like a week later, sitting in my office, like right where I'm sitting now. And I was looking at my list and I'm like, when am I actually going to do any of these things? We write shit down. We write in our journals. I want to lose 80 pounds. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then it just collects dust. We take no action. And I really wanted this year in my life to be an action-taking year, just not only for business stuff, but like personal. And like one of my big values now in my business is like creating a business around the life that I want and like using my business to fund fun things in my personal life. And so I sat there and I was thinking, and I was actually... That was when I started promoting the Cultish product program, which obviously you joined. So thank you. Um, And I was sitting here and I'm just like, I'm telling people, talking about like all these things in their business of like, this is what you should do and you need to get visibility and da, da, da. And I was just like, I need to listen to my own advice in some way. And I literally just found a trip and I put down my deposit the same day. And it was just like, I put down $500. I did research. I found an like the perfect thing for me. There wasn't a lot of options and I just put down a deposit. I didn't really think about it. And and then I was like, okay, this is an expensive trip. This is the most expensive trip that I've ever just booked for myself. It felt very selfish, but I'm also like, you know, I'm I'm trying to help people create businesses that fund their own life. Like I want you to have a business that grows so much that you can go and plan cool trips wherever you want to or whatever you want to do. So I'm like, I need to do the same thing for my, for, I need to do the same thing. So I just was like, I'll figure out how to pay for it using my business. And I did. And that for me has been a huge pivotal moment because my first many years in business, like I didn't, like I barely paid myself, you know, all that kind of stuff that we, we all often go through. Um, so yeah, so this trip for me is like not only just going to see bears, but I feel like for me, a pivotal moment as an entrepreneur of, using my business to fund fun things in life. Cause if we're not having fun in our, if we're not having fun in our life because our business is making us miserable, then why are we doing it? And I was there for years. Like my business made me miserable. Like I love doing it, but like, I'm not very happy doing it. So, um, so yeah, so long story short, that is like the explanation of my bear trip. And I don't know why I just shared so much information with you. No, that's so good. I mean, our businesses, it's so easy to get caught up in being obsessed with our business because we love it and we're passionate about it. Yeah. But remembering that our businesses are supposed to be a tool to 
you know, we should use that to reinvest in our life. Exactly. <laughs> life experiences like that, um, that are so bigger than ourselves. I think everyone needs to put themselves in some situation in nature, usually to mm-hmm. where they get um, a sense of something bigger than themselves and humble themselves a little bit. Yeah. And probably not much more humbling experiences than being surrounded by um, big bears and in Alaska, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think um, it's it's very easy to get caught up in just like being in work mode and yeah. not paying yeah. yourself enough and not focusing yeah. on profit first and like treating your business like a hobby. But then also if when you treat it like a business, like I need to pay myself, I need to make profit. Am I doing things that are yeah. making profit? But like I said, a big thing for me has been, um, I need to have more fun. I need to structure my business. So it's fun for me and not the opposite. So I, I, um, yeah, it's, it's not easy to do that either. Like it's, it's like a muscle you have to kind of retrain and I don't know, but yeah, I'm very excited about my trip and I know I'm completely like batshit crazy, but I'm, oh my God, I can't even tell you how excited I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. You you're inspiring me. I want to do something like that. And is isn't it? It's kind of feels exhilarating to book this like ridiculous trip and just why not? Like, yeah. What's something scary that you could do and you could just go do it? I mean, I don't know. I feel like I just keep saying why not? Like, why not just go? I don't know. Yeah, my personality has like I've always been a traveler and I love adventure and um. So this isn't like super crazy for me, but it, but it is because of, it's sort of unsafe. <laughs> I mean, probably a lot unsafe, but it, they say it's safe. So we'll see. I, I don't know. Hopefully I make it back, but if I don't, um, you know, all right. I feel like I've rambled way too much. Um, tell everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can buy your candles and, um, you know, where they can follow you on social, your website, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's weatheredwood home, um, on Instagram and Facebook. Although I will say I'm not active on Facebook. I should probably delete that. So just connect with me on Instagram at weatheredwood home. Um, and, or my website, weatheredwoodhome.com. That's where you can purchase a candle and um, sign up for my email list. And that's probably going forward going to be um, my favorite way to communicate with everybody. Just because like we talked about vulnerability and opening it up. I think I could do that a lot better on email, <laughs> at least to start out with. And um, I do have a code if people would like to get 15% off of their first order, they can use code FIRST15 at checkout and get 15% off of their first purchase. Is that FIRST like F-I-R-S-T or 1-S-T? Yes. Oh, good question. First, got to make it easy for people. Oops, sorry. Say it again. (laughs) Say it again. Sorry. Yeah. No, first as an F-I-R-S-T. Yes. Good question. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. So awesome just to hear more of, you know, your story and um, just so many cool little tidbits that people can take away. So thank you so much for your time. And obviously so good to see you. And if there's any 
boutique owners out there listening, email me about wholesale. Yes. <laughs> very, very excited about that. But thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun to talk to you. I honestly forgot that I was on a podcast. So this was fun. Uh, and I, t- I think I told you it's going to be fun. We'll have a good yeah. conversation. <laughs> yep, you're right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple podcast and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week.